anniversaries, I was reading a story about a man. He was uh, reading his newspaper one morning, early in the morning. He was at the breakfast table reading the paper, and his wife came over to him, and his wife gave him a, a big hug, and she smiled at him, you know, kind of like sometimes wives will do when they look at our, their husbands. And she said to him, she said, I bet you don't know what today is, do you? And uh, he kind of looked at his wife and he said, well, of course I know what today is. And uh, he went back to reading his paper. The reality was he didn't have a clue what the day was. So he was afraid that maybe he he would uh, upset his wife because he knows his wife's very sensitive about special occasions. So he thought to himself, let's see now, is it her birthday? He thought, well, that must be it. It's her birthday. So after work, he, he called the florist, and he had a bouquet of white roses sent to his wife. And then as the day went on, he began to worry about those flowers, whether they would be enough for a day as important as the day is. And he said, what if it's not her birthday? What if it's our anniversary? So he went to the jewelry store. And uh, he, you know, down from his office there, he picked out a, a beautiful gold necklace, and he had it special delivered to his wife. And as he started home from work, he thought to himself on the way home, well, maybe I should stop and buy an expensive box of chocolates to bring to my wife just in case. So he pulls into the driveway, and as he pulls into the driveway, his wife comes running out to meet him, and He gets out of the car and he presents her with a box of chocolates and she throws her arms around him and she says, oh honey, this is the best Groundhog Day I've ever had. (laughs) You know, today is a special day. It's not Groundhog's Day. It's our church's anniversary, 69 years as a church. This is a special day celebrating God's faithfulness to us as a church. And Paul writes it here in Philippians, and I want you to notice these three verses, verse 12, 13, and 14. The Bible says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may, appre- I, I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Notice the third time he said that. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Today, this afternoon, as we celebrate our church's anniversary, 69 years of God's faithfulness, as Paul is writing to those in Philippi, There's three things that I want you to notice that Paul says that we must do as a church, as God's people. The first one is we must evaluate. He says again in verse number 13, I count not myself to have apprehended. See those words there? He says to his brothers in Christ, I've not arrived yet. Certainly if there ever was anyone that could claim that they're farther along in their life more than other people, it would have been Paul. You think about the books in the New Testament of our Bible. Paul is attributed to writing 
under inspiration most of the books in our New Testament. Paul helped to spread Bible Christianity throughout the Roman Empire in his day. Paul made an incredible impact on the world of his day. Yet at the end of Paul's life, here's what he says in Philippians 3. He says, I don't have it all together. He says, I I haven't arrived. I'm not perfect. I'm still growing. I talked to one of the ladies after the service, and I told her, I said, look, I believe our church is a special place. It's a special people. But I says, if you haven't figured it out yet, we're not a perfect people. You know, and she immediately said, there's no perfect church. But, but I think all of us have room to grow. And I'm not talking, you know, putting another notch on your belt and letting it out, you know. I'm talking spiritually. There's, there's still plenty of room in our lives for us to grow as a Christian. And Paul attests to the end of his life, I'm still growing. God's certainly done some wonderful things at our church over the past 69 years. But listen, part of celebration is evaluation. You know, when, when you celebrate, uh, I, I always think it's amazing sometimes when you'll see this, uh, this afternoon and evening and, and in two weeks when you see uh, the football playoffs, a lot of times those coaches and owners, even when they're in the big game and right after the big game, they immediately sit down and evaluate. I mean, even the team that might win the Super Bowl, they'll evaluate, okay, what did we do? How did we get here? What elements did it take? And the same is true for us as a church. God's been blessing for 69 years. But one thing we must do is we must not count ourselves to have apprehended. We're not there yet. We're still growing. Uh, Anniversaries, I think, are great times. They're moments for us to look back at, at things, but listen, we've got to be careful about not wanting to go back to the past. Uh, simply put, someone said, nostalgia is the sandpaper that smooths the edges of the good old days. Uh, over time, when things happen, we a lot of times we tend to forget sometimes the hardships, and we remember only the blessings. Paul, in his life as a Christian, Paul could could have taken great pride in all the many things that he had done, the churches that he had started, and the, the souls that had been won to Christ, and, and all the strengthening and, and, and helping of other people, and, and just being there and encouraging people. Paul could have certainly taken great pride in that, but instead, he, his sentiment was, I'm not content, I'm still striving for more. Now, notice Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. He writes there, only let your conversation, your lifestyle be as it become cometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We've been so blessed as a church for 69 years, but we still honestly have a long way to go. We haven't arrived yet. We've not yet apprehended. God isn't done with any of us yet. And listen, we are still needing to grow. And and again, that verse I used this morning in Matthew 5, that blessed are they or happy are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. The Bible says if we do, that we shall be filled. So listen, 69 years, 
I'm glad for every moment. I'm glad for every blessing. But if we're going to go forward in our lives, we've got to evaluate. But notice, secondly, Paul says we also must eliminate. Eliminate. Look at back at verse 13. He says here, but this one thing I do. Now notice what he says it is. Forgetting those things which are where? Behind. He's talking about the past. He says it's important for us, yes, to learn from the past. But he's also saying, listen, you can learn from the past, but you don't have to live there. He says that we must press on. Uh, all these things, the Bible says, happen unto them for examples that and they are written for our admonition. Listen, the things that have happened in our lives, in this church, in those in the Word of God, we can look at those things as examples to help us to encourage us what to do and maybe caution us on what not to do. And so he says, listen, we must evaluate, but we also must eliminate. He says they're written for our admonition. We need to learn from this. And, and listen, everything in life is a lesson. So notice he says here, to move forward, we must do two things. First of all, we must forget the failures. You know, I know you're not like me. I have made a lot of mistakes. I've failed. You probably have it in your life. But listen, when we do fail, and we will, don't rehearse those things in your heart that God has forgotten and that God has forgiven. Jeremiah writes, I will forgive their iniquity. I will remember their sins no more. That was God saying that, folks, not Jeremiah. God says, listen, I'm going to forgive you of your iniquity, of your sin, and I'm not going to remember it anymore. So oftentimes, God is not the one that brings it up. We're the ones that hold on to those things. Uh, the psalmist said, for thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, plenteous in mercy unto all that call upon thee. One of Satan's desires in your life as a Christian is Satan loves to paralyze us with the past. Somehow what he wants to do is manipulate us with all of those memories. Like, for instance, do you remember when you used to, and then you fill in the blank. Many times the devil will use the past to, to get us to stop going forward for the Lord. And listen, in spite of all this, here's what Paul says. Paul says here, I have learned one thing, and that is I've got to forget the past. I've got to forget the failures. Don't sit around in your life as a Christian beating yourself up, especially with the fact that God has forgiven you and God has forgotten about those things, that they're under the blood. Listen, since we cannot change the past, what must we do? Let it go. Just let it go. You cannot live in the past. Here's what we need to do. Learn from it and then just move on. Paul says, listen, we need to make sure that we forget our failures. But listen to this one. We also must learn to forget the successes. That's why Paul wrote, and I know it was under inspiration, but he wrote, I die daily. We've got to be careful about saying, look what we've done. Look what I've accomplished. You know, when I talk about Bible Baptist Church, and I, when I travel, when I talk to my friends, when I talk to other people, I love to brag on this church. But I'm going to tell you something. My heart is, when I brag on this church, it's not bragging on this church because I'm the pastor. 
I'm bragging on this church because of what God is doing in this place. I love to tell people, and listen, just like when it comes to failures in our lives, and we can learn from the failures, but we can also learn something from successes, that we cannot live in our successes. Because here's what happens when you live in your successes. You tend to rest on your laurels. You know, look how good we are. Look what we've done. It's almost like, here it is, what Paul's saying, we've arrived. And we haven't, folks. Uh, listen, I, I'm not saying that, that we're a bad church, you're a bad, I'm just saying that we've got a long way to go. Paul says, I've not yet apprehended. Sometimes we try to live in the past and we base our security on past performances. We talk about things, we might not use the phraseology, but the good old days. And a lot of times that's, that's the way we kind of slant it. But listen, success tends to make you complacent. And what success will do is it will fill our hearts with pride. And it will do that. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. When pride comes into our lives, here's what happens, is that we stop growing, we stop learning, and listen, because of that, we are going to fail. And we need to make sure that we are learning and that we are growing. Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Today we celebrate the past, but we can't live in the past. And today, listen, as, as we run our race, we can't look backwards. We can't focus on what's behind us. We must put our eyes where they belong, and that is to keep them on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. So listen, we must evaluate. Okay, 69 years, praise the Lord. And we must eliminate. There's some things that we need to forget. We need to forget our past failures, forget our past successes. But then the third thing Paul says is that we must estimate. Look back in verse 13 and going into verse 14, he says, reaching forth, love those words, unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Have you ever watched one of those relay races like in the Olympics or whatever it may be where they've got a baton and they've, they've, they're carrying that baton. It might be two or it might be four people in the relay. And you know, they have to be fast and they have to stay in their lane. But it's that baton oftentimes that causes them to either win or lose the race. It's the passing of it. And when, I, when they come around and they're in their lane, I'm always kind of intrigued where they know they've been taught and they've, they've practiced so much where the one runner that's, that's waiting to get the baton, he actually takes off running. And the other runner that has the baton is running behind him, trying to catch up to him as he's taken off. And they have to make that, that exchange before that front runner gets to a certain point or they're disqualified. And so he's reaching forth to pass that. They, the, the last runner of the race, when they come around, if, if there's a couple runners that are bunched together and they're just about to finish the race, one of them will do something like this. They'll lean forward like this. And, and the old adage, he won by a nose, you know. But reaching forth, this phrase here, it's really one word in the original language, pressing, press toward, he says, 
The word is dioko. It means to run swiftly. Now, what, you know what's interesting about the word dioko that is used here in Philippians 3 that actually means press toward? It's the same word in the Bible for the word persecution. So the word here, press toward, is actually the same word as persecute. Now, to illustrate this, do you remember before the Apostle Paul, who God used to record the book of Philippians, do you remember how Paul was vehement against Christianity, against anybody that believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was going from house to house, even before he came to know Christ, he went six days to Damascus just to find believers in Christ, and, and he, was, he was actually doing everything he could. He was persecuting the church, is what the Bible tells us. So in other words, Paul would persecute the church. He was pursuing them with all of his might. Tyler asked me in the hallway after we had lunch, he was asking me about Matthew 5.16, about they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And he's like, Pastor, how can a person, how can you do that? How, how can you hunger and thirst after righteousness? And I was talking to him, and it's the same thing here, Tyler, is when you think about this pursuing after Paul, his intent was wrong. He was pursuing after Christians to put them into prison and maybe take their lives. But do you remember what happened after Paul got saved on the road to Damascus? Now, Paul wasn't persecuting them for their faith in Christ. Guess what? Paul now is pursuing not after them, he's pursuing after Christ. Even Jesus said to him, he says, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. So when Paul got saved, Paul now is chasing after Christ. The intensity in Paul's life was the same, but the direction was totally different. See, Paul was no longer going against the work of God. Now Paul was going for the work of God. Look what it says in Philippians 3 and verse 7. What things he testifies were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Folks, listen, when we look to the future of our church and what God is going to do, I pray that we would have the same determination as those who have gone on before us. It could be the Apostle Paul. It could be the, the pastor that started this church many years ago. It could be those in the book of the Hebrews chapter number 11. But we need to be people that have a determination. We need to have the same daring determination that George Zemer had when he started this church 69 years ago. We need to be ready in our lives, maybe this year, maybe in the future, to try new things and to let old things go. We need to celebrate uh, yes, 69 years as a church, but what we really came together today to do was to celebrate the goodness and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because without him, none of this would be possible. See, to him and him alone be the glory. Brother Kenny's going to come and lead us in the song, To God Be the Glory. And as we sing this song, I want you to turn in your hymn book there. What number is that, Brother Kenny? 259. Let's stand and sing this as an anthem to our God today. 69 years to God be the glory, great things he hath done.
be the glory, great things he